0: Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to The Social Circus, where every week we dive into a variety of topics covering social media, mindset, and how to run your business. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Social Circus. My name is Sarah Thompson, and I'm your host. And today I am thrilled to be joined by the fabulous Louise Percy from the Percy Institute. Hi, Louise. Hello, Sarah. Nice to speak with you. Oh, look, I'm so excited to have you here. And we've actually had a bit of a chat before I hit record today. And I'm really really enthusiastic about what you've got to say. And I'm certain that my audience are going to get such value from hearing um, your wisdom and expertise. So before we get started, would you be able to tell everyone a little bit about your, your journey and your history into the Percy
1: Institute, please? Certainly. Well, the Percy Institute I launched in 1992, so actually 30 years ago, this year um and it came about in a in a way uh, which i suppose is rather roundabout i was born into a military family my father was my late father was a high ranking uh royal australian naval officer my first job uh, i was actually asked by the department of foreign affairs then to look at being part of one of their programs so my first job out of school was actually at the australian embassy in washington dc wow <laughs> I came back to Australia to take up a position uh, at the Australian National University in Canberra, Canberra doing international law and politics, but I needed a job for a few months. And because I had a security clearance coming out of Washington, I was invited to work as the executive assistant to the press secretary for the then prime minister, the Honourable Gough Whitlam. Wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is all in the mid seventies. And then, uh, when uh, Mr. Whitlam lost lost office in December 1975, I was the only member of his private staff to be invited to join the press office of the Honorable Malcolm Fraser, and so I did, and remained with Malcolm Fraser until 1980. I travelled the world as a VIP, obviously, working with a fairly irreverent bunch of journalists. I might say I rolled them in, keep them in order. Um, But I I found myself here in Western Australia for family reasons and fell in love and stayed. And so uh, in 1992, when my life uh, changed, um, it was suggested to me by actually the late Premier, Sir Charles Court, that I had skills I didn't know I had. And why didn't I turn them into something? And um, so I hung up my shingle and the Percy Institute was born. Wow
0: Oh, honestly I could listen to you talk all day Louise and your story I, I feel like we could um, chew the fat over quite a long lunch listening to all, all the tales you must have to tell but so for those of you who have for my readers or listeners who haven't heard of you tell me what the Percy Institute is and does.
1: Well the Percy Institute is both a training and consultancy organisation and we specify uh, that our our role is really to give people confidence by learning the intricacies of modern etiquette both business and social uh, i also having had percy institute offices in singapore and shanghai uh, consult quite widely on cross-cultural awareness issues as well so my Fantastic. my client base is corporate government um, as well as small medium-sized enterprises Uh, women starting out their own businesses, men starting out their own businesses, and people who just want a little more confidence, knowing what to do and when to do it. Wow,
0: fantastic. So I I hope my uh, listeners are all very excited and um, by how honoured we are to have you as a guest today because um, obviously for us small businesses, they don't often access someone of your calibre. And I think what's really really interesting is... um, uh, when you speak, I, I, my mind went back, um, because I'm not a dissimilar vintage to you, I'm a middle-aged woman, and I remember I grew up in, uh, you know, rural Western Australia, and we, we used to go to grooming and deportment classes, and so that was like a kind of an early iteration of some of what you do, I
1: imagine. Well, it really was. I mean, I think that the doyen of, of this sort of thing in Australia back back in the 60s was June Daly Watkins. and mm lot of the people that have come to me over the 30 years and of course now having been in business for 30 years I'm getting some of their children which is a real thrill Um, (laughs) um, it was it was really grooming and deportment to give women confidence to know what to do when to do it how to do it what not to do Um, and because we're in Australia it, it had nothing to do with class or money or anything else it was really confidence building and that's for 30 years what I've tried to maintain
0: Fabulous. And so nowadays, when people approach you, because um, I imagine that there's some of us that would think, oh, this seems like something my grandma would have done that seems to really kind of daggy and a little bit old fashioned. But when you talk about confidence, I think that that is more relevant than ever.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, look, it is. And the world is a changing place. So you know, we we have the manners, but we've also got a situation where we've got evolution of manners. I mean, when I started out 30 years ago, we didn't have the internet, <laughs> and you can only imagine what the evolution of manners have been, both socially and in business contexts, uh, with regard to the evolution of the internet. I mean, we 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 talk about netiquette, or we used, you know, in the in the 2000s, early 2000s. Mm. Now it's so normal for people to to understand that. The internet is a an intrinsic if not one of the most important components in the way that we do business for example um there there are manners around it and particularly since uh, you know march 2020 when our, all our lives changed and we were spending so much more time on the screen uh, the manners have really had to evolve in a way but it, it hasn't been a direct set of rules it's been something that's evolved organically really
0: Oh, and um when you said evolution, my mind went to, you know, and I sound, I do sound like my mum now, um, it went to devolution because I do feel like manners are becoming something that we see less of. And I find that I find it disappointing because um I, I think I can hear my grandmother saying good manners don't cost anything. And um, you know that. Um, the way in which we treat people has an impact on them and has an impact on their confidence. And so when we treat people poorly and we don't honour and respect them, um, that has a ripple effect, doesn't it? So when we talk about manners, what do you think, um, if if we're going to sort of modify our behaviour a little bit, um, and hopefully um, everyone who's listening will take this on board, what are some easy things that we could do that would help in the way in which we use manners in our modern day business life?
1: I think fundamentally... Being kind and considerate to other people is really important. Mm. Putting it's having the ability and the confidence in yourself to put other people at their ease. And we've got to remember that no one in the world does business with a business, they do business with people. Yes. And, And so, by having fundamentals of please and thank you, and good morning, and understanding the correct, um, form of address of somebody, whether they're Mrs. Ms, um, choosing to have a gender, gender neutral form of address, whether they're a Ms or whatever. There are, and, and wondering, you know, remembering that we're wonderfully multicultural in Australia, you know, not everybody wants or or feels comfortable being called Louise in the first meeting. So I always would suggest to my clients that if you're meeting somebody, use a form of address first. And then if it was somebody saying to me, oh, Miss Percy, it's nice to meet you, I would say, please do call me Louise, unless it was somebody from a culture which actually didn't appreciate that level of uh, familiarity. Mm -hmm. And I think those sort of things, it's putting other people at their ease with you that will enable you to to develop the rapport, which, which leads to successful business, mutually beneficial business.
0: And and it's really interesting because I I feel like um having worked here in Australia and I've worked in the UK as well we are very informal in Australia and we become very familiar with people very quickly and um it was really interesting uh, when I was in the UK um, I worked for the British government there um in communications and we had to address people correctly all the time um like you know right honourable and the member for and. Um, you were never invited to address people by their first name. Um, and even people that were maybe, you know, deferred higher in uh, like, you know, the leader of your team or something. Um, that that use of the formal address is something that we just don't see very much here. And I'm always surprised by that um, when we talk about even our prime minister um, and the casualness with which we speak about them. Uh, and I feel like is this an evolution in the way in which we behave or is it an Australianism
1: or is it just part of the way in which society changes, do you think? I think it's all of that. But I think that we, we Aussies do have this natural affinity to, 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 you know, be more casual. That's us. But if you're actually talking in business and you are dealing with people from a culture that doesn't have that affinity with that level of casualness, it's worthy of, of consideration in order to allow the form of address to come through. Uh, so, you know, people will regularly say to me, Oh, well, Louise, you know um, if people are coming to do business in our country, why don't they just do it our way? <laughs> <laughs> and my attitude always was well you know even when you were having play dates at school you used to find out what the favorite foods were for the children who are coming over to play with you or what they preferred to play or whatever let's just be kind and considerate to each other and look at it from both sides of the of the perspective you know it's empathy I think that's really important
0: what a delightful an- analogy that is because it's really really true and it's even even in our adult life um I've got it's my son's birthday um tomorrow and um, I've made it my point to make sure that uh, all his favourite people are invited and I've ordered his favourite cake and it's all about making him feel special and when we do that for other people, um, it makes them feel special and in, in, a, in a very crude term, it makes our business venture more successful, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> well, it does because, you you know, by by having that empathy for the position of the other person and, and you know, let's put we're just in the getting to know you stage. For example, in a business, you know, the art of small talk is really important, too, because you've got to be authentic at all times. That's one of the great traits of we Australians, you know, authenticity is our our mantra in a way, you know, don't ever try to be something that you're not. But you can actually present yourself as, as poised and polished in business, whether it's small business or corporate life or government business or whatever it is, by having empathy with the other person, by being able to make small talk confidently so that you can see the common ground and work from there.
0: I'm so interested when you say that because um, I'm quite an extroverted personality and I'm I'm very talkative naturally. (laughs) But I have to say, I struggle with small talk and I particularly struggle um, when I have to go to business events, which we attend a lot of regardless of COVID. Um, and when we go to the, I actually attended something yesterday where I didn't know anybody and this girl was making really nice conversation and I felt myself feeling so awkward. And I thought, why am I so bad at this? I'm so talkative and friendly. And yet I, I could feel myself feeling awkward. And so when we are struggling with that small talk, what's some great tips that you could give us to help us with that?
1: Well, let's take your situation yesterday. So if you're going solo into an event where you don't know anybody, and we've all been there in small mm. business, you know, I mean, it's it's daunting. It's daunting for me, Sarah. So always make sure that you arrive on time because the organizers of that event are most likely going to be hovering near the entry to the event, uh, function room, whatever it is. And they, if you arrive and you're on your own, they will naturally introduce you to somebody. Immediately, you've got somebody to talk to and you already know that you and that other person who you haven't previously met met before already have something in common. You're at the same event for the same reason. Ah, what a wonderful tip. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so that's great. And the other thing is have the confidence if you're there on your own and you are talking to somebody to bring other people into the into the conversation if they look as if they're hobbing around the edges um, looking like a white-knuckle drinker, as I call them. They're the people who are <laughs> holding their glass so tight their knuckles are white, and if you talk to them about the weather, they're going to be thrilled. So, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, there are little tips and tricks that make you feel more confident too because you're taking on that role of assisting others.
0: Oh, I like that. And so we don't have to become obsessed with being ridiculously interesting it's okay to say did you how did you get here or how did Is it's okay to sort of say what well, those things that might seem a little bit banal but are actually icebreakers it's okay to do that because sometimes I overthink and say that's so boring and because I'm, I'm, I'm British I default
1: to talking about the weather <laughs> so <laughs> one of the other little tips that I was taught years ago by my by my father that who was the um commodore in, in charge of the navy in western Australia at one stage was that when he would go back to his office and he would have been at a function meeting, all these people he didn't know, particularly when he first um, took up the, the position, was with the business cards. And in those days, you you obviously filed them manually rather than electronically. Always make file them not in alphabetical order because you'll never remember the people's names, but file them in in terms of the function that you went to. So for example, the function that you went to yesterday, Um, if you did get business cards or whatever file them under that function and on the back of the business card make a little note about the fact that you had talked to this person about such and such maybe they were going off on a holiday to broom next week or whatever it is so that next time you go to that function and you spot that person you'll be able to say something like oh louise look i met you last time it was the first time i had been at the event but you mentioned you were going to to broom and i was so envious how was your holiday and so immediately you have that ability to start a conversation.
0: Wow. That's that's brilliant. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of sitting here engrossing what you're saying and thinking, why don't I know that? <laughs> it's a really, really simple tip. Now um I also wanted us to pivot a little bit and chat because we did discuss this before we hit record and it was very interesting. You were talking about obviously um the way in which we project ourselves nowadays. Um, again coming back to our very casualisation in Australian culture and the fact that we often perceive ourselves as being distinct because we're um, behind a screen or we're doing a video and so it's not in real life but you were talking to me about the need to still show up and bring our sort of I don't know if the word's best self but sort of show up in a way that puts our best foot forward so can you talk to me a little bit about um, showing up in a digital age?
1: Absolutely. So as I was mentioning to you previously, first impression statistics are really important. And the the general consensus is that a first impression takes about seven seconds. And there are three components to that first impression. 55% of it is your personal presentation and grooming. The way that you actually let's talk about looking on the screen, the way that you look on the screen, the way that you present, the way that you make eye contact and so on. So 55% is a pretty high ratio. Fair or not, it exists. Yes. <laughs> 35% is your verbalization and vocal tone. And verbalization and vocal tone is the way that other people hear your voice. So I'll give you an example. When I first started the Percy Institute, I used to do a, a regular segment on ABC Perth Radio every two weeks. And the first time I went in, I gave it was so long ago. I think it was a cassette tape to the audio. (laughs) um, Well, 30 years ago. Would you mind recording this for me? I'd like to start an archive. And he very kindly did. And when I got back into the car after doing this 20 minute interview, which I thought had gone pretty well, I put the cassette into the sound system and went to drive away. I nearly went off the road. (laughs) voice coming out of the sound system bore very little resemblance to the voice that I hear in my head. Mm. And so I actually went to a speech pathologist to actually lower the tone of my voice a little bit, which Mm -hmm. happened easily over three months with some exercises. And so I felt that I was able to then, when I was actually making presentations or speeches or um, training, whatever it is, I felt more confident in myself because I knew that the voice that that the people that were listening to me was hearing was exactly the same as as what I heard. So that's that's really important uh, that other people hear what you're saying. It's not got anything to do with your accent, um, but it does have to do when you're speaking for any period of time, as you would know, as a coach, Mm. putting light and shade into your voice so that it's more interesting for people to listen to. And then the last 10% of that, you know, first impression is your content. So you don't have time to mess it up. So be prepared. I call it the Percy Institute 5Ps, prior preparation prevents poor performance. Mm-hmm. And it means, it means having, having your bullet points, not referring to them by glancing down with your eyes, but having them in a situation where you can see them so that if you are going to have that 10% of your first impression as by way of content, it's going to be full on. And that's,
0: it's so helpful. And um, I really resonated Louise with hearing your own voice, because obviously I speak all day for a living. That's what I do. And I speak generally on camera and it's typically recorded. And um, I remember years ago, the first time I heard myself, I was like, oh my goodness, I sound like a man. I've got quite a deep voice. And my mom said to me that women with deeper voices have been shown to be more successful. And I was like, great, I'll take that. But it's really interesting because like you say, you hear your own voice in your head. And then when you hear it externally, you're like, oh my goodness, is that what it sound like? I'm really used to it now. And I often say to my clients when they're first projecting themselves, maybe doing videos on Insta or something, um, do go and record yourself and listen to yourself because once we step through that shock and I'm and I'm certain we're all shocked by how we hear how we sound um, it makes us more comfortable to talk in front of the camera because you you know what you look like you know what you sound like and then you can actually focus in on that 10% of what you're actually saying and um, there's
1: no fast way to that except through practice is there? no there isn't and you know it's quite fun to practice I mean if you're not used to doing it I'll say to my clients um you know who who come to my master classes or whatever what I'd like you to do is just turn the recording button on on your on your on your smartphone and just put it in the kitchen when you're talking with your partner your kids or whatever and you will actually hear the way you really are not 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 putting on your 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 you know your telephone voice or your camera <laughs> voice to hear the way that you are and nine times out of ten you'll be pretty pleased with it anyway
0: Oh, that's, that's reassuring to know. So if we are, which most of us should be in this digital age, presenting ourselves on either video or um, camera, like still images, um,
1: what are some tips that can help us put our best foot forward, do you think? I think being confident with your appearance. Now, that doesn't mean how you look. It means confident with the presentation of you that you're putting forward. So, for example, I would always suggest... Um, uh, you know and this is by no means set in stone but if you tend to be a bit blotchy in the face you know put put some some sort of covering on so that you're going to even out your skin tone for men and women make yeah. sure that you're you're using appropriate light um i i for example love this position that i'm in at the moment because it's actually facing out to my my garden with the pool and the lights coming straight in on me. And it's, you know, it's it sort of inspired natural light. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, but that doesn't always work. So, I mean, there are tips and tricks out there and you I'm sure have so many more than me being the professional that you are. here <laughs> But uh, I do think that turning up as the very best version of you uh, is really important. Uh, and I, I, of,
0: I would absolutely agree with that. And um I was brought up and my mum used to always say to me, if I was going out, I would say, how would I look? And she always said, I needed more blush because I'm so incredibly fair. And she probably wasn't wrong. Um, but I do find that I'm much more confident when I'm wearing makeup. i would, um, be loath to turn up and cheat uh, without any makeup. And that's not because I think that I'm awful looking, but it makes me feel more confident. And I definitely feel like that. So that really resonates with me. And I think what you were saying about putting your best foot forward and feeling your most comfortable, it's not changing who we are. It's not using filters to be someone different. It's showing up and being showing up as your best self. And I always find that that gives me so much confidence
1: absolutely and look Sarah I have had a number of clients you know over the particularly the last couple of years when we were locked in here in Western Australia and I was able to do lots of in-person masterclasses which was super fun Um, a lot of people would say look Lou I'm, I'm just not comfortable wearing makeup and I'd say okay that's absolutely fine but just do me a favor and put a little bit of blush to give you a little bit of contouring Put a bit of gloss on and if you can possibly bear it, a little bit of mascara on the lashes, whether you wear spectacles or not, it it just opens your eyes up a bit.
0: It does. And um, I do think um, I do have some clients that wear no makeup and I think all power to them that they feel happy. But I know that I know what makes me feel confident and feel like I'm putting my best self. And I know particularly when I'm training, I don't want it to be something that I'm thinking about because I'm certain that my audience are looking at me and like you say we our, our attention wanders off and so they're looking thinking oh she's got quite pink cheeks and she's wearing a pink top and <laughs> and so they're noticing things even if you
1: think they're not are yeah. they Yes, and it's not a vanity thing. It's actually, for me, it's a professional presentation thing. And I so agree with you about if you're there to do a job, you don't want to be thinking about the ancillary things. You know, it's why a lot of people, when they come to me for dining etiquette, for example, you know, if they're going into a job promotion or they know that they're going to be having to schmooze clients in their own business to know what the, what the rules and et cetera are for dining etiquette so they feel comfortable so they don't have to think about that they can actually get on with the job that they're there to do which is present them and their business in the very best light
0: oh, wonderful now look I think we could talk all day you're so interesting Louise um I'm mindful that I don't want to go on too long and I would love for you to share um if people are interested in connecting with you um how can we work
1: with you it's probably a great question to ask <laughs> (laughs) Ah, well, I do private consultation, one-on-ones, online training, uh, in-person training. My website is www.thepercyinstitute.com. You can see me on Instagram as the Percy Institute and also Facebook as the Percy Institute. And thanks to you, Sarah, (laughs) I launched a Facebook group called the Elegance Club and Ooh. so if anybody would like to join i'm going to be having all sorts of fun exclusive classes for members some q and as some live live interviews with people that have crossed paths with me along the way so um yes and that's thanks to you sarah i wouldn't be doing this basic- It wasn't for you, so thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to take credit for that. Um, And for all the listeners, please um,
0: um, check out the show notes because I'll put all of the links in there so that you can connect with Louise. I do absolutely love following you on Instagram, Louise. I always make a point of listening to your videos because you always share such pearls of wisdom. And to me, um, as business owners, and I think particularly as women business owners, we are judged so heavily on how we look. And if we can put our best foot forward and feel confident, I think it makes, like you say, it means it's one less thing for us to think about, which I love that as a concept.
1: Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, Sarah. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: My pleasure. So thank you again, Louise, for your time and wisdom. Um, And thank you to all my listeners for tuning in. I will look forward to catching you the same time next week for another episode of The Social Circus. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Social Circus.